Hello, welcome to another episode of the Silk and Steel podcast. I'm your host, Carl Zah. Today we have back on our show, Mr. T, uh, who has been previous guest on the show to talk about the tech war between U.S. and China. And today he will have um, more update for us. So welcome back to the show, Mr. T. Thank you so much, Carl. And thank you for having me back. It's always a pleasure. Uh, so this U.S. tech war is ongoing saga. Uh, you know, many people have expected that uh, maybe you will subside with uh, with with the Trump <laughs> administration's passing, but it looks like this is uh, uh, it's not going away anytime soon. Um, like specifically, you have done a couple of Twitter sweat thread on the situation of the chip shortage. Uh, caused by the U.S. policy, right? But um, the, the, the specifically, um, there's a the, the, there's a bottleneck in the supply of semiconductors right now. Um, do you want to talk about that? Just start talking about that. Yeah, sure. So, uh, so back in back in like uh, call like between September and November last year, um, if you recall, the U.S. imposed uh, bans on SMIC. Last May, the U.S. also imposed bans on Huawei, right? And those bans were not about you know Huawei or SMIC uh, dealing like selling into the U.S. They were about uh, preventing anybody that was using U.S. technology. So that even includes like international companies, non-U.S. companies, from selling into Huawei or SMIC um, or providing services to them. So uh, so that most importantly, that cut off Huawei from semiconductor fabs. And then SMIC is a semiconductor fab itself. It cut off SMIC from its uh, its upstream equipment suppliers, as well as some of its like key chemicals suppliers. You need a lot of specialty chemicals in semiconductors. So for my audience who might not know, SMIC is a semiconductor uh, maker in China, in mainland China. And uh, it was set, set up around 2000 when the Chinese government wanted to attract talent from Taiwan. Um, they got an investor and uh, some some tech guy tried to basically replicate what uh, TSMC, the, the Taiwan Semiconductor, uh, did for the Taiwanese economy, uh, making domestic uh, semiconductor production in China. And now, uh, you know, SMIC has, after, you know, more than a decade, almost 20 years, they they finally at a place they're about to you know advance to the next level. I guess you know U.S. see that as some somewhat of a threat, or either that or they want to just kneecap the the, the Chinese tech development, right? I mean that's what the semiconductor ban is really all about, right? Yeah. So basically, uh, the specific uh, block is around uh, leading uh, sort of leading edge or bleeding edge chips that. Uh, that are uh, who who have like a density of tr- who have like a transistor density that means like how small the transistors are on the chip like below 14 nanometers um so each uh like below e- like each set of transistor density numbers is known as like a node size right in od node um and uh it's like a tier of like how dense the uh transistors are so there's 14 there's like 10 then there's seven, then there's five, and then there's three, right, nanometers. And obviously, the less it is, the more dense the transistors are on the chip, the 
more powerful the chip is because you have more compute power in the same area on the chip. Um, and then also the harder it is to fab the chip, to make the chip, um, because uh, you have to be more precise. Your machinery has to be more precise. Now, 14 nanometers is already excruciatingly precise. Um, it's many, 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 many times, you know, thinner than the width of a human hair, for example. Um, you know, like uh, three and five and three nanometers are even more precise. Now, the key bottleneck for getting something down further is like a physics problem. You have to use a certain. So, if you have a laser, if you've had like a printer before, like a laser jet printer. You kind of understand, you know, there's like some light that shines on some ink, right? And then, you know, voila, like text appears on a page, on a piece of paper. There's a similar kind of analogy that applies within semiconductor fabs. Um, essentially, there's a chemical substrate, light shines on it, and it reacts some parts of that substrate. But light shines on it in a pattern, right, through a mask. So the in order to get that pattern down to a certain level of granularity to accommodate like a very small you know, circuit, like a three nanometer or five nanometer circuit, you have to use a smaller wavelength of light. So that means going from what's known as deep ultraviolet or 193 nanometers uh, wavelength of light down to extreme ultraviolet or 13.5 nanometer wavelength of light, right? And if you remember your high school physics classes or uh, you'll, you'll remember that the higher the wave or the the lower that number is on the wavelength of light, the higher energy that light source is, right? Um, so, uh, so basically, you need a high energy light source to be able to generate the wavelength of light that's needed to make and fab the extremely fine uh, chips. And why why all this matters is because with the US, the US IP in this whole process is just around that light source. There's a company in San Diego called Symer, C Y M E R that made that light source and researched EUV technology back in 2010 to through 2012 when they were acquired by a Dutch company called ASML. Um, you may, you know, now ASML is kind of famous. They're the Dutch company that makes all the, uh, all the chip fabrication machines. So you can think of them as gigantic printers, right? Um, and, is this uh, a monopoly right now? I mean, does ASML has all the production capability for the... <laughs> they're, they're a monopoly at the leading edge. So for making the... Uh, most advanced, smallest, finest grain chips in the world, they're a monopoly. For, for those types of printers, they're a monopoly. Um, and each of those machines, by the way, are huge. And they're actually uh, ex extremely expensive. Um, a twin scan 3300, or sorry, now they're up to a 3600, 30, I think. Um, a twin scan 3600 EV lithography machine costs around 130 to $160 million. So it's, uh, it's like this, like, it costs, uh, you know, to put that in an analogy, it, it costs about as much as a as a as a small submarine or a small frigate, like literally. There was, the a, there was a fire in the ASML factory in Netherlands a couple of years back, right? Uh, yeah. So that was so basically, uh, SMIC, uh, the Chinese fab, had put an order in to ASML to buy one of their twin scan machines, um, and one of their suppliers to those machines had a fire, which prevented SMIC from delivering that machine to, uh, or I'm sorry, ASML from delivering that machine to SMIC. Uh, then uh, ASML canceled the order. Um, and many people suspect that that fire was, you know, the result of U.S. sabotage because it coincided with a visit by Mike Pompeo to the Netherlands, 
where Pompeo essentially laid on an, ex- an extremely high level of pressure onto the Netherlands. From what I hear, he, he threatened to pull the Netherlands out of the F-35 project he, uh, or program. He, he threatened to investigate Dutch banks um, because Dutch banks are tied to the dollar system if you know ASML went ahead and sold the machine to SMIC. Um, and then later on, the U.S. essentially just decided to, to just never approve the license to go and sell one of these machines to SMIC anyways. Um, so there was a, there was like a real hard, like, uh, you know, sudden breaking right at the end of December. That was right actually when the Huawei CFO got arrested. Um, so that was when the U S kicked off like the tech war. Uh, and since then, you know, SMIC has been unable, been unable to buy one of these, uh, EUV machines, right? So they've been unable to progress past 14 nanometers, um, in terms of fab. Uh, and, uh, and, and at, while on the other hand, uh, their competitors, Samsung and TSMC have been able to buy these machines and have been able to move past, you know, move past SMIC or keep progressing forward. Um, now, uh, where this kind of relates back to kind of the broader technology scene is since smaller chips are more powerful, uh, they also mean that, uh, they're also the kinds of chips where if you build an instruction set architecture for it, um, it can take advantage of the, it can, it, it is, uh, it can run applications quicker. Uh, it can also run applications more efficiently. Um, and generally speaking, people who design an instruction set architecture for a chip want to design it on the smallest node size possible. Um, you know, if I'm Huawei, I don't want to design a chip at 14 nanometers when the market is already at three or five nanometers in my phones, right? Because, you know, the phone is going to use more power. It's not going to be able to run the latest graphics. Um, it's not going to be able to support, you know, newer applications like augmented or virtual reality. Um, and, uh, that's, you know, that's kind of by design. The U S wants to keep Chinese technology companies from being able to actually support, uh, to, to develop software architectures that go and support these newer applications. Now, this kind of, this is, this, we can, we can probably get, get to this a little bit later, uh, but, uh, but this is kind of the overriding drive, right? Um, and where this kind of relates back to the shortages issue is when the U.S. Uh, kind of, uh, when the U.S. Uh, decided to sanction first Huawei and then SMIC, um, TSMC first told ASML, that, uh, hey, I don't need so many twin scan machines anymore, right? I'm like my biggest customer, my second biggest customer, Huawei just got sanctioned. Um, so I don't need that much like three three nanometer, five nanometer capacity. Um, to- TSMC for my audience is a Taiwan semiconductor. Uh, they, con- they, they, they essentially have a, a kind of monopoly on the chip uh, fab of, uh, of, the, of, the, of the cutting edge, right? What? Go ahead. They have they have a monopoly at the leading edge, again at like the three and five nanometer, but that that itself is only like twenty percent of global chip capacity. Um, that's a, that's also a result of Intel fucked fucked up, right? Because in, Intel was supposedly to have a three nanometer out already, but they were unable to do so. Yeah, and and in, Intel's like. Intel screwing, like the funny thing, by the way, is like, if you think about why Taiwan has felt like it can get away with pushing the U.S. to support its independence um, or drive towards independence, part of it is because Intel screwed up. So it realized that it had the U.S. in a vise (laughs) 
for lack of a better term. Um, and, and you, you can like almost draw a straight line between how aggressive the, like the DPP, the Taiwan's governing party has been in terms of pushing, pushing China's buttons, so to speak, and how far ahead TSMC is of Intel. There's like a direct, there's a direct correlation between the two. Now now I'm going to push you back a little bit because normally, uh, you know, from observers of the Taiwan U.S. China relationship, normally U.S. is in the driver's seat, right? U.S. is the one that set out the policies and, and Taiwan usually follows, but you are claiming it's other way around. you not like Taiwan is actually now setting the agenda now. Um, uh, since to an increasing degree, not obviously not a hundred percent, but Taiwan's no longer ta- Taiwan. A lot of the, a lot of the recent, um, uptick intentions is directly the result of decisions being made in Taipei, not Washington, DC, not Beijing. But again, I, I think this come about, um, first I, I like to apologize to you because before I, I kind of accused you of, uh, uh, when in our own private chat, I kind of dismiss this notion that that Taiwan is is pushing on this agenda because you know, like I said before, nor you normally U.S. is the one that sets agenda and Taiwan follows. Uh, but again, uh, in the larger framework of things, so we came to the sh- uh, chip shortage situation because of the U.S. policy in the first place, right? Because the U.S. policy to cripple uh, SMIC on mainland China, which given, um, and just with a list of coincidences with with, uh, with the ASML situation and also with the Intel fuck up that now, now Taiwan have a, a short-term mon- monopoly on the cutting edge. That That's what cost it, right? Maybe we can uh, like- it, It's a little more complicated than that. So, 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 so the shortage isn't just at the leading edge. The shortage is across the board, right? For the trail for like the older nodes as well. And why they're all jammed full is because then in September of last year, SMIC got banned from doing business with the rest of the world as well. And that's when like a lot of uh, EU car makers, US car makers, other people who needed older chips, um, they had to shift orders out of SMIC. And go find fab space in you know TSMC or in Taiwan's number two fab UMC, or you know find fab space in like Samsung for example, um, uh, and and there wasn't there just wait, wasn't wait, enough did, fab uh, space. Euro Euro car makers and U.S. car makers do they normally? I mean, I I didn't even know they source a lot of their chips from mainland China from SMIC. Well, they sell they sell millions of cars in mainland China per year. Um, so ah. a, lo- a lot of those chips are actually just for the Chinese market, right? Ah, so, so the, as a result of U.S. ban, say like the GM in China, now they can, they can also buy SMIC chips because GM is still a U.S. affiliated company. So exactly. even, even GM factories in China producing for the Chinese domestic market now have to source their chip elsewhere from outside of China. Wow. Exactly. You get it now. And that's so so TSMC first tells ASML, I don't need that much capacity. So then ASML is like, well, I'm not going to make that many machines anymore. Uh, then the world's capacity marginally shrinks a little bit, might have shrunk like 5%. And then the US took another like 5 to 10% offline 
when it said, hey, you know, you can't do business with SMIC anymore. So add that together, you know, that's what suddenly caused this ripple effect and, and created massive shortages. Um, and uh, and these, while the first Huawei ban, I'm pretty sure Taiwan did not lobby for a Huawei ban directly, um, they were cautiously supportive of it. The second SMIC ban, they were 100% in support of. Uh, the, the DPP and TSMC both jointly lobbied the United States through a variety of forum to essentially, you know, cripple, to try and cripple SMIC because they viewed SMIC as picking up all the uh, Chinese orders that, uh, that they were, they would no longer be able to service. Right. So their, their thought was like, you know what, to preserve our commercial interests, we'll turn around and, and just like nuke the whole Chinese like semiconductor industry. Well, I mean, that, that actually kind of makes sense because uh, TSMC is large, part of the Taiwanese economy at the moment. I mean, if you think about Taiwan, what does yes. Taiwan produce, right? Like the most- You want a fun statistic, by the way? TSMC's capital equipment budget, their CapEx is $28 billion this year. Uh, Taiwan's whole defense budget is $15 billion. So TSMC, this one company spends more on, twice as much on equipment in any given year as Taiwan spends on its whole military. It is literally the, the, it is the national asset, the crown jewel of Taiwan. Um, like TSMC's, TSMC's like, uh, another way of thinking about it is like TSMC's, uh, trade gross profit, uh, of about like 30, $35 billion is almost 80% of Taiwan's annual trade surplus of $40 billion. TSMC is a, is a factor that matters. Without, without TSMC, like Taiwan's economy ceases to exist. Pretty right. I mean, like, it, I mean, Taiwan obviously has other uh, parts of the economy, but but in terms of the world trade, in terms to the rest of the world, I mean, the the, the, the Taiwan without TSMC could disappear, and there will be little bit, little be little effect felt outside the outside of Taiwan. And, but and, and you know, you know what's like totally, you know what's totally messed up about this is that uh, remember that Taiwan uh, about about a uh, I want to say about. Forty uh, percent of Taiwan's trade, I believe, is with China, and um, and seventy uh, percent of seventy percent of that is a trade surplus. Um, that basically, basically, Taiwan's entire almost Taiwan. By the way, a large chunk of that. I'm sorry, forty percent of Taiwan's trade is with China. Seventy percent of that is semiconductors. So basically, twenty eight percent of Taiwan's total trade is essentially exporting chips from TSMC into China for use in China's electronic supply chain. Um, the, the whole, the whole country, like, so this is, there's like a love hate relationship that goes on between Taiwan, TSMC and the rest of Taiwan and the rest of China in this regard. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, most of the Taiwan businesses depends on the Chinese market. Uh, but at the same time, there's, uh, people from the Taiwanese government, uh, especially the DPP government that thinks they cannot have over-reliance on the Chinese market. So they have been, since, uh, I mean, even before TPP DPP come to power, even back into in the Li Denghui era, there the the Taiwan government had a policy of a so-called go south, right? Divest uh, from mainland China and shift the capitals towards Southeast Asia, like a uh, build factory in Vietnam, Indonesia, etc. But I, 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 none of that is quite successful, just because the Chinese market is so huge and it's so lucrative. Um, and and so, but so right now we we 
are in the timeline uh, where, um, you know, the, so, so, okay, so Taiwan and TSMC, uh, they were aligned in getting the SMIC ban, right? Because that's, that's yes. profitable for them. It's, it's, it's to their commercial interest to kind of uh, shore up the, 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 the chip monopoly. Do, do you see, do you see, do you see kind of the, how the dominoes fall here? Like the, the, the Huawei ban causes China to invest in SMIC and then SMIC's competitor then decides to ban SMIC, right? So now China is investing one step further. They're like, fine, we'll invest in, you know, you know, a, like a, a Mac or, or SME or some, there are some other companies in China, which make chip manufacturing equipment. They try to do what ASML does. So now, you know, what the Biden administration is doing is they're talking to ASML and they're saying, Hey, ASML, you want to try to like sanction, you know, China's like chip equipment guys too. Um, so like the dominoes keep falling further and further deeper into the supply chain. And that's actually by design. That was like the original, like that, that was, that was what like Matt Pottinger back in the Trump administration said. He's like, if we just, you know, start sanctioning at one point in the supply chain, eventually like the dominoes will keep falling until the whole like zipper, he compared it to a zipper, right? Like you unzip the zipper and then like the whole, the whole like you 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 can accomplish decoupling, right? Which is what they wanted. But at this point, I think it's not just Matt Pottinger anymore because Matt Matt Pottinger already left with the Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's become it's become bipartisan. But then again, that's because like the the harder you unzip that zipper, and the further things come apart, eventually like the two sides start seeing each other as competitors and not trading partners anymore. So they just want to decouple harder and harder. So there's like a vicious cycle that's starting to kick in right now. Right. I mean, that's that's what the a lot of the national security establishment wanted to push for in the first place. They wanted yep. to deca- decouple the U.S.-China uh, economy because they see the interdependence as a liability uh, in, in, in case of conflict because it, it makes conflict with China harder when, when your economy depending on trade with China. So their solution is, okay, we'll just decouple with China so we can get on with the Cold War 2.0 stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and, and so, okay, so, so, so let's, let's walk through this, this timeline. So, so, so what, what happened after... Um, uh, the, the, after after the SMIC ban, after you know the the uh, now that what, what I mean, what does the short um, chip shortage affect? I mean, it affects automakers, it affects yeah, uh, yeah it affects everybody who uses chips. <laughs> so automakers, phone makers, uh, you know, de- other device makers, right? People who make like laptops, people who make you know servers, people who make. Uh, you know, like even like gamers, right? So, so you, you may realize that, hey, if I want to go buy an NVIDIA GTX, like, you know, you know, graphic card. Following is a bonus segment for my patrons on Patreon. To listen to it, go to Silk and Steel Podcast on Patreon.com, where for $5 a month, you will receive premium content like this, as well as early release episode before they have been released to the public. I put a lot of effort into making this podcast and I do ask you for your support. Thank you for listening and I hope you subscribe. Bye-bye.